Two. No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad and I want to know and I'm here with our special guest, Bob Wilkie. Uh, Bob's a, a retired NHL player um, and you started I Got Mind. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Uh, if somebody would have told me years ago that this is what I'd be doing now, I'd I'd probably tell them they're full of crap. <laughs> That's for sure. It's not the same as uh, skating up and knocking guys down. And uh, you were a defenseman, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's much easier on the body. Yeah, yeah that, that's for sure. Uh, the mental preparation doesn't need to be as much. There's not as much travel, not as much job insecurity. So yeah, it's it's not so bad. Yeah. Well, you didn't move around that much. You had nearly a 20 year career. You know what, uh, from the time I started playing junior hockey, I was 16, and that would have been 1986, 85, 85, 86, Um, and then I retired in 2000, so 14 years of what they would call professional hockey. Yeah, where you're getting paid, and so you played basically for two teams. Well, you played for the Broncos. Yep, yeah, I started, uh, my career started here in Calgary with the Wranglers uh, in the Western Hockey League. That was the first team that I played on. And um, the next year, uh, I got traded to Swift Current, so I played three years in Swift Current through 89. Yeah. I was drafted in that time period to the Red Wings um, in 1987, and then I played 10 years pro. So I played with Philly. I played with Detroit's organization for three and a half years, Yeah, and that was between the American Hockey League and the NHL, with the majority of it being uh, in the American Hockey League. Yeah. I had one season that I missed almost a whole season due to a back surgery. Ooh. So that, uh, you know, took a year off the career. And then and then I got traded to uh, Philadelphia where I played two and a half years with their organization. Yeah. I played half a season with Chicago's organization because I was traded from Philly. Yeah. Went over to Europe for a little while. You know, I had a reporter one time tell me that my career sounded like a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> and, and it was cool because I loved to travel. Um, yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. It was always neat to see new things, new people. For sure. Were I, you married? Did you have kids at the time? You know what? I didn't get married until 95, um, so I was still with Philly. Okay. So my career was pretty stable at that point, not a lot of moving around, but as soon as I got married, yeah, the wheels were off and, <laughs> and you know we were up and flying everywhere, so it yeah, was good. Nice. The uh, What advice would you give to young hockey players coming up? I got I have a, a buddy that, that came up with the Rockets in Kelowna and WHL and then went to play for San Jose, and um, you know he was really, really smart about it. He had a good career. He saved his money. He did really well. I believe he's retired now. Scott Hannon, he's not playing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he had it really easy, but I hear lots of guys, it's just, it's a difficult road, right? You don't know how to handle money. You don't know how to handle travel, career things. You know, from the young age, when, when the kids get involved, they don't really live in the real world. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's the hardest part is because you're, you're always gone doing your thing and, and the kids that you you know, that are your same age, they're at home doing stuff with their friends. Right. Going to birthday parties and school dances and you're not, right? Right, right. So you kind of live in this different world and, and what happens is there, it, it's 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 completely different. Right. Different set of rules. Um, the expectations are way higher. 
The thing that I notice most, I, I've had the opportunity to meet maybe five or six professional athletes, so not a lot. Yep. But what I found with most of them is that they can only focus on that one thing. You know, there's some MMA fighters that I've met, and they just don't know anything outside of MMA. And, you know, hockey players that I met, they, they just talk about hockey. That's, you know, did you get, who got traded? Did you see that uh, play last night? Whatever. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't really uh, venture outside of where they're at. But that's probably why they're as good as they are, too. Yeah, you know, you have to be. Yeah. Um, um, but I think that there is the capability to throw in a little bit more real world uh, scenarios. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the young athletes, like I know when, when I'm working with a young athlete in trying to develop the mental strength and, and um, you know, the mental health that they need to be that professional athlete, the majority of my stuff is life stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, getting, getting to be a better skater or, you know, understanding the flow of the game, like we can watch some video but how are your habits? Yeah. Um, how's your attitude? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what kind of goals do you have set? Who are you? Yeah. Um, That's because, a tough question for young, young, uh, well, young people as a whole. You know what? And, and the thing that I found, Chad, is it's really not. Okay. I mean, they don't have an idea, but as soon as you start that conversation and you're educating them on it, yeah, it's amazing how quickly they come up with who they want to be. Very cool. And so once they have that, okay, now let's go. Yeah. And, you know, when, when the trouble hits or when the adversity or the challenges, you know, we can look back to that I am statement and say, you know, it says that you're courageous here. Yeah. Now's the time when you got to use the courage, <laughs> That's right? right. Um, it's easy to be courageous when there's no uh, danger in front of you, right? Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, you don't get anything then. That's right. No risk, no reward. I agree. And, and that's just life. Have you ever heard of uh, the self-authoring program? No. Dr. Jordan Peterson and a bunch of psychologists made this program, and uh, basically that's what it is. It's trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be and where you're going to be in the future, and they make you like write a biography, basically. They ask you all the right questions, and some of these are like you know, uh, 5,000, 6,000 words. Like You really dig wow. in deep to this program to figure out who you are. They implemented it into some schools into Canada, uh, universities and colleges, where they had a high dropout rate. So there was a lot of First Nation um, uh, colleges where they had a high dropout rate. Um, and it wasn't just First Nations, but that was the majority of the time. And when they implemented the self-authoring program, they reduced the dropout rate by 50%. Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. right? And it's just because they knew who they were sure. and what they were trying to achieve, yep. and they could see the the goalposts at the end, right? When, one of my teachers that really changed my life, his name is Bob Proctor, and, and his program, you know, that says there's two critical things that you have to know. The first one is, who are you? Right. The second one is, where do you want to go? <laughs> go? Right? Yeah. And if you think about it, it's a pretty simple formula, but a lot of people don't know how to do it. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Nobody really sets goals anymore. Like, uh, I meet lots of people around town here and just talk about, oh, you know, what's your plan in the next three years? And they look at you like you're from outer space. Like, they don't even have a one-year plan. Or I'm just trying to make it through the week. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yep. And I get it. It's hard for some people, right? Yep. Financially and and the stress of relationships and work and stuff, it can be hard. But if you don't have a plan, it's going to be that much harder. Well, th th that's it, right? You, you don't have a direction. We want to go on vacation. Where do you want to go? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, do you want to go somewhere warm or do you want to go somewhere cold? I think I want to go somewhere warm. Right. Okay, well, that's half the world. Right. <laughs> right? Well, let's just go. Yeah. Well, where do you end up? That's not where not not anywhere. So, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, it is such a big thing being able to teach young people especially how to properly set goals. Yeah. 
because that tells you all the work that's going to be required. When you do it properly, yeah. you know and have a really good idea of how long it's going to take, yeah. what's going to be involved, who you might need to get to help you. The steps. Totally, yeah. right? Everything. So so now all of a sudden I feel really prepared. I feel really excited about this actually. Right. You know what I mean? What people typically do when they set goals, say, okay, I want to score 20 goals this year. Okay. And then that's it. They never revisit it. They don't write it down. They don't have any action steps. There's no direction. And then they get to the end of the year and they scored five and they're going, wow, it was awful. The coach's fault. And, you know, just play my room. It's a habit that we have too, right? (laughs) Throw everybody else under the bus. Yeah. So did you you have this stuff growing up? Did you have someone goal set for you, mentor you? Mm -mm. It was just shit luck that you got to work? You know, for me, the drive was just huge. Okay. Right, the intrinsic motivation to be an NHL hockey player okay. was higher than the other kids. Yeah. And so I worked my ass off. Right. You know, and, and my joy was being in the yard shooting. Yeah. Right. Like we'd go out there after school and it'd be hours, right? Busting windows. And then, <laughs> then after dinner, everybody would come over. We could have a little game. Yeah. Um, in the wintertime, you know what I mean? It was ODR. I, I think the one of the big problems that I see today, especially with, doesn't matter the athlete, it's, that there's so much grown up and parent involvement yeah. that the kids don't get any time to just freewheel and learn. Yeah. Everything's so structured that when they actually have an opportunity to be creative and kind of do some stuff on their own, yeah. they're completely lost. I have no idea how to do it. You know, we get, I get, I feel like I get a little bit of flack because of that. Cause we have our kids in sports here and there, you know, being on a team, but for the most part, we let them sort of do their thing and, and figure stuff out. And here I got a son at 12 years old that knows, you know, more about electronics. And I think some of the guys working at the source or right. at the IT company that we use, um, and he just was able to really dig into what he loved. But if I had forced him into hockey or basketball or, you know, I love martial arts, if I'd forced him into martial arts, which I got him to try all these things, then, um, and he didn't love them. And so that was it. Like, well, what do you love? Well, he loves electronics. Yeah. And we let him do it. And he's excelling at it. Everybody's journey is different, right? Yeah. Uh, I went through it with my daughter was was quite good at sports. Um, she liked sports. I think she liked sports more because it was something that we did together. Yeah. Which was cool. I used to own hockey pro shops in the states, and we would do hockey camps. And I said to Sadie, I said, "Do you do you want to do you want to come and try?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And this was the night before the camp, so we owned the pro shop. So we went and geared her up with everything, taught her how to get dressed. Yeah. Took her to the rink the next morning. I said, you got to do it because I got to go take care of everybody else and get ready. And I came back and she was completely dressed on her own. Nice. Tied her own skates. Yeah. Goes through the whole week. And everybody, all the instructors say, you know what? We're we're voting her the most improved. Like, it's amazing. Beautiful. And I said, okay, so do you want to join a league? And she's like, no, I just wanted to spend the week with you. (laughs) (laughs) And and that was it. There was never any pressure. I never, Uh because the... All of a sudden, everybody started calling, right? Yeah. Oh, like, you know, we need girls, and she'd be great, and yeah. it'd be awesome. And I said, she doesn't want her. Right. Yeah. It's her choice. Yeah. It's so... It's. I, I watch some of these parents that run their kids, like, five, six days a week, and they're going two or three activities, and I get the value in it. I get that they're learning something new, and they're inputting a lot of stuff, but you just... You have to watch and make sure that you're not overloading them, and they're actually excited about doing it, Right. The like you said, no one had to push you to play hockey. If you had a spare moment, you had a stick in your hand and you were whacking pucks. Um, you know, whatever your kid's doing, that's what you got to encourage them to do. 
Listen, to be successful in anything, the thing that I've learned that I think is is really valuable for anybody who's listening with kids, if they're going to make it, it's because of them. Right. You can write all the checks you want, and you can send them to all the specialists they want, but that kid's going to have to go through all that stuff. Yeah. And the tougher you make it on them, the harder it's going to be for him to want to keep doing it. Yeah. Because if there's no joy in it, what's the point? Well, that's it. And the generation today is much more like that than ever. <laughs> right? Like, they're all about, you know, I just, I just want to do my thing and be left alone. And, and you know, these parents, they, they, get, they get too involved. Yeah. And, yeah. and I hate Helicopter to say it. And, and I don't want to pick on parents. But I tell yeah. you, wake the hell up. <laughs> because you know what? You're doing more damage than you're doing good. Do you see this a lot? Like, you, with so your hockey much. camps so and much. just too much coaching from the bench? Every and... sport. Every sport. Really? Yeah. That's crazy it's to me. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. People just aren't, uh, you know what, I I can maybe, I guess, uh, understand a little bit. I, I love martial arts. I did it for a long time. I was very close to be going uh, pro at one point and, uh, you know, financially didn't work out. I was a little bit old to be going pro, all that kind of stuff, so yep. I stepped away. But then when I had a son, I was like, oh, maybe my son could be the guy. Um, and when he was probably about five or six, we took him to Taekwondo. We knew the guys there. They were super awesome. It was a great club, great instructors. And he did it for one season. And I'm like, you want to go back? He's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit disappointing. My you... dream's dead again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not his duty to to uh, fulfill my dreams. A lot of right? parents think that it is. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of the problem, you know. Like, it's just, uh, it, it's... The reason that I feel sad when I when I experience that with people is because that relationship, the opportunity to have a father son, mother son, you know what I mean, family, really something that makes a difference and has longevity to me being a good person. Yeah, it's completely gone. Yeah, because it's a runaround. It's a pressure. Uh, I mean, it just, it damages to the point where the kid's going, you know what? I don't like you and I don't like you. <laughs> right. And I'm going to check out here. Yeah. The, um, and, and they're modeling bad behavior as a whole, right? Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, the psychologist I was telling you about earlier, he talks about, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be good at the game to be wanted in the game. Sometimes the, the, the player that has the least skill but the best attitude is the most wanted on a team. And that's the way life is, right? You don't have to be the best at work, but if everybody loves you, it's really tough to get fired and really easy to get promoted. And it works everywhere in life. Just be the best team player you can be. You know, be on board to help everybody, to, um, you know, encourage everybody. You know, if you can't play, show up anyways and just be there cheering. Everybody's got their role. Everybody's got their spot. Um, You know, working with a lot of athletes and a lot of sports, talented players are usually the biggest distraction. Really? (laughs) Right? They're they're absolutely the headache. They're the prima donnas. It's all about them. Yeah. Uh, There's organizations out there, and and they go and recruit the best players so that they can recruit everybody else to pay for the program. Right. Um, There's just a lot of things that happen that that are not good for that individual. Yes, you're super talented. Yes, you're faster. Yes, you're bigger, and you can do things better than everybody else. But 
we still need the other 18 guys. <laughs> right. You know, like you're not that special. I've never won a championship with one guy. Right. And and not only that, if you're not the likable guy, the other teammates aren't going to be there to help you, right? Then it all falls back on your shoulders. You need to have that team around you where everyone likes you. They want to lift you up because you're there lifting everyone else up along with you. Makes a big difference. You know, there's a story um, from Detroit when I was there. It happened after, so this is secondhand that I got it. But, you know, Stevie Stevie Eisman really wanted that. He really wanted that Stanley Cup. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I mean, he worked his balls off for it. You know, I mean, he was scoring 50 goals. He's always one of the top two players in the league. And it wasn't until Scotty Bowman came in and said, we got to shift everything here. Yeah. Right? Like, you got to be better defensively. You got to focus on winning faceoffs. You got to be, you know what I mean? You got to care about your teammates. You're going to, like, your production is going to drop. You're no longer going to be a 50-goal scorer ever. Yeah. And he oh, said, if that's that, gotta be a blow to He it. said, if that's what I gotta do to win, then I'll do it. Wow. But that's what makes him special. That's right. Because most players say, you know what, suck an egg. <laughs> um, I need the 50 goals. Right. Right. They need that's to feed amazing. that eagle. Yeah. I remember uh, when Hannon got um, uh, brought up to San Jose or uh, scouted by San Jose, he was probably playing 50 minutes for the Rockets. Like he was on the ice for the whole game. Yep. But like he outshone everyone in the WHL, yep. right? Super strong, super fit, uh, great defenseman. Yeah, he was a great player. He, he, great player. And he gets into the NHL and he's lucky to play two or three <laughs> minutes. And But he was playing the same way. And his coach had to take him off the ice and say, listen, you're only going to play two or three minutes. You need to step your game up by like tenfold. Like you're not even coming close. But he was so used to playing an hour of hockey yep. that it just, he had to reserve some of that energy and he was still outdoing everyone in the yep. WHL. But yeah, there's always a mindset, right? And it has to be for the team. So many of the habits that young athletes pick up are not beneficial for when they get the opportunity to become a pro. Yeah. Right. It's, it's so detrimental um, you know, different rules, uh, different work ethic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I play well during the games. I don't work hard in practice. And I know for me, that was my biggest failure. Cause when I got to the NHL and they said, okay, that's great. Congratulations. You made the team. Now you've got to work 10 times as hard as you've ever worked before. <laughs> and I'm going, screw this. Like right. I'm done. I don't have anything left. Like I really, um, I really didn't, I didn't want it that bad that I was willing to do more than what I had already done to get there because yeah. it, it was a shit show. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you, I think it was Jocko Willink that says everyone works at about 40% of their capacity. You know, maybe a pro athlete at 50% of their capacity and then like the elite guys are maybe at 70 or 80%. But there's sure. always more inside of us. We just don't believe that there's more inside of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I felt... Like, for me, I really struggled because I felt that it was good enough anyway. Yeah. Because I'd go out and play, and I'd play really well. Yeah. And then they'd say, well, no, you got to do more work. you got to be in the gym more. you got to do that. And I'm going, why? <laughs> right? Like, I got two points. I'm playing well. I'm playing the minutes that you want. I'm in the situations. Yeah. I'm not getting pushed around. Like, explain to me why that I have to do this more. And it was just, it's the culture. It's the way of the athletes. And, and this is before the kids today. Yeah. Right? Like, they work out before. And after every game. That's insane. It's eh? insane. Yeah. And I think that um, 
people don't realize how hard it is to get in there and they get comfortable, right? Like, well, if this is working for me, we, we say this at work all the time, the good is the worst enemy of great. Um, there's always a little bit more you can do to be great. And I'm one of those people, not that I've accomplished a ton. Uh, I didn't realize it till later on in my life that, oh, if I just do a little bit more each day, then I get better and better and better. And, and so now that I've realized that, I start seeing growth and fruit produced in my life. Yeah, sure. Um, but I didn't when I was younger. It was just like, whatever it takes to get by and not get yelled at or not get spanked or kicked out of school that's what i'm gonna do right and uh, that's a bad way to come up well again it goes back to not having any goals yeah you know what i mean like seriously when you when you learn that i i want a new bike okay so let's set the goal yeah right what's the detail okay well let's go find out how much the bike costs yeah so it's a thousand dollars for the bike that you want okay great so you throw in your birthday Right? How? When do you want the bike? Well, yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Realistically, what do we think? Well, I think if I could have it before the summer ends, I'd be real happy. Okay. Good. Um, now, how much money do you have in savings? Okay. Well, I got 150 bucks. Okay. Good. Uh, what kind of jobs do you think that you can do? And they're like jobs. I don't know what kind of jobs. Well, right. you're going to have to earn some of the money. Right. Uh, you got a birthday coming up. So okay. So that you, you figure at least 100 bucks for that. Yeah. Right, it's a good uh, grandma. Absolutely, right. <laughs> um, you know, there's a bunch of chores around the house that I'd be happy to give you, but they have to be done a certain way in order for me to give you the money. Right. I'm not just going to give you the money, nor do I have time to remind you to do them. Right. So all of a sudden, you've heaped all this responsibility on something that they want. Yeah. And using that intrinsic motivation, I want that bike so bad. Yeah. That go get it. Well, and that'll also determine how important that bike really is, right? <laughs> if you don't want to do the work, make the money, then, oh, maybe the bike's not that important. I'll ride my piece of crap for another couple of years. And what a great life lesson. Right? Yeah. You're super excited about it now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you don't care anymore. Right. What's going to happen to you if you think that you continue down that road? Yeah. You just make good decisions, you know, because you think them all the way through to the end. It's yeah. not, uh, my dad used to say to me, wish in one hand, shit in the other, see which one fills up first. Um, that's that's the wish mentality, right? Like yeah. it, nothing comes from wishing. It all comes from planning. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about this this uh, desire you had as a kid to just to play hockey all the time. Like you just were obviously addicted to it. Did that come into your adult life? Like the the, the hockey, obviously, but outside of hockey, did you get into any other addictions? You know, sports. Uh, I'm not talking about bad stuff, but you know, anything that was. Hey, a business for me was was uh, like I grew up in an entrepreneurial home. My mom was an entrepreneur, and my dad was a truck driver. Yeah. So I got to see the two different worlds, right? I see him day in, day out. Like I'd go to work with him and it's like, oh man, (laughs) I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then I'd see her and it's like, actually, actually looks pretty exciting. Yeah. So, you know, I I got to work in the business. I got to understand and, you know, do different things. And, um, you know, the creativity of what what would you want to do, you know? So, I mean, even when I was playing, one of my coaches, Barry Melrose, told me I broke my kneecap and I was out for eight weeks, I think. He says, find something to do. Yeah. Learn whatever you want, but find something to do. Well, we used to hang around one of the bars and they had a kitchen in there, but the kitchen had closed. Nobody ever cooked any food. I said, well, I grew up in the catering business. I'm going to open the kitchen. So so we opened it up and it was called Bubba's Kitchen. Yeah. And it was cool because I had to order chicken wings. I had to get the people. I had to get the business license. So I was totally distracted and totally excited. Yeah. And then Barry found out that it was in the bar that we shouldn't have been hanging around, and I got a little bit of shit for it. 
but it was it was a really cool experience. So the next injury I had, sure enough, there I wanted to learn how to fly. Yeah. Right. So okay. So start taking your pilot's license. Start taking the test. Are you a pilot? I I had my license when I lived in Alaska, but I haven't I haven't gone back to get it again. Okay. Yep. So uh, yeah, that it, it's it amazes me that people get that addicted. I've never been one of those people. I'll I'll do something really hard for you know three, four, five years, then I'll be like, okay, I'm done doing this. What's the next thing I can go on to? Well, and and that's it, right? Like so many people, and it's unfortunate is you just get in that rut, you get in that comfort zone, and you know what? It pays for the house and it pays for the camper and right. our vacation, and yeah, yeah, it's not rewarding. It's not fulfilling. I'm not no. jacked to go to sc- or to work every day. Um, but I do it and, and uh, I mean, I've changed careers so many times, um, because I, I get, I get tired, I get bored. I heard a stat, I don't know if this is exactly right, but it was something like nearly 70% of men are dissatisfied with their work life. That is horrific to think. And, and I and I lived it for a lot of years. I did drywall, which, you know, you have to be a special kind of person to right. love drywall. Yeah, no um, and, and I'm still in construction, and I'm actually just at the point now where I actually really like my job. Yeah. Uh, but it took a long time to get to that position where I liked it and to, to earn it and, and all that. And, you yeah. know, I'm 46 years old, and I just finally got a job I really liked. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a long time. Sure. And 70% of the population are there. Yeah. And, it, and it probably stems right back to what you're talking about with a goal setting, right? I had no idea I could even get a college. Uh, um, I thought that was for people that with money. We didn't have money. I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to school. Yeah. And so I went into the trades because that was, for, well, they pay you to train in the trades. So much of it. And when we go on tour, right? So we've been doing the tour going around Western Canada talking about mental health. And um, it, it, there's, there's so many different things that we talk about, but you know, just that sense of purpose, right? That that yeah. knowing who you are. I mean, when you have those types of things, every everything is so much easier, right? And the minute that it's not working, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know, whether it's uh, it's a sport that you don't really like playing anymore, whether it's uh, a relationship that you're in, whether it's a job that you don't like. Yeah. People people stay in it, right? <laughs> For and then we always ask the question. Uh, how long too long when they finally make the decision how long too long so chat how long too long right well for me it was it was you know well i did drywall for like 15 years yeah. and that was probably 10 years too long yeah right then then i went into another job that i didn't love but it paid the bills for the yeah. family um and i grew that into the job i wanted to sure. be um but it was you know seven years six years to get it to that point yeah. so it's a long time and, and you know we're not always going to, like every day is not going to be filled with just the stuff that you want to do, <laughs> yeah. right? There there are things in our lives that we have to do, Yeah. right? Like I've, I've got to pay the mortgage. I've got to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Make sure that there's money in the bank to do the things that we want to do. Um, but, you know, to earn what I want to earn, yeah, I, I sure as shit better love what I'm doing or I'm not going to do it well. The the main the main part of your life that you should like it you know we always have that that crap job that we don't want to do I hate mowing the lawn I I if I had the money I'd pay my yard from sucks <laughs> it's, it does right yeah yeah right Eric yeah <laughs> I hate going to the grocery store you know oh, it's... that's the one I like yeah yeah my yeah. wife hates it so I'm like I'll do the shopping yeah I, I like uh, like hanging out picking my food yeah looking at the type of steak that i wanted all that stuff that's uh that's important yeah you know there's just uh you know you get to a certain point i turned 50 this year and 
my family history, they don't, they don't live real long. You know what I mean? My dad's side, I think he was 64 when he passed and, and he was the longest living male on that side. And and the other side, I think grandpa was 75 when he passed. And so I figure, you know, 75, I got 25 years, right? Right. 50, I screwed around. I, I wasted probably a good 20, not doing the right things. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, I want to make sure I get this last 25 right, which means I'm going to be doing things that I want to do yeah. uh, that are going to bring me joy. Uh, I'm going to be associating with people that I want to be associated with. And I'm not going to give time to things that bring or cause any more pain. I've had enough pain in this lifetime. Right, right. Yeah. I remember when you spoke for the, um, uh, what, what was the organization? Airdrie Chamber. Airdrie Air, yeah. Chamber of Commerce, right? That uh, you were talking about some uh, businesses that didn't go so well for you. You had uh, some the little coffee shops on the side of the the, the, the roads down That's in the great. states and stuff like that. You enjoyed getting them set up and getting them running. So exciting! Yeah, so you must have taken a lot of lessons out of that. I always think that your your I don't want to call them failures. The the most difficult things that you have to give up mm-hmm. are the things you learned the best lessons. You from. know what? They totally were failures. I look at them as that, right? Like yeah. it did not work. Okay. Why didn't it work? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't educated. I didn't know how to do this. <laughs> I didn't know how to do that. Right. Like for me, that, that was my college education. Yeah. Cost about the same amount of money. Um, <clears throat> you know, and it didn't work out in the end. And I mean, that's, that's the thing in life too, right? It doesn't always work out. Yeah. And I think, you know, hockey, I was pretty fortunate because, I was so driven, I was able to play at a pretty high level. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of disappointment in in the achievement of, of what I was trying to do as an athlete. Yeah. I made a choice to not do the extra work that was required to be in the NHL. Uh, I was very damaged. Uh, I had suffered a lot of trauma, you know, as a young man that really caused my attitude to shift, and I was just going to do as much as I needed to, like you said, right? Yeah. I knew that I was good enough that I could get by on that. Was this stemming from the the bus accident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for people that don't know, maybe you can explain the accident. Um, so I talked earlier about getting traded from Calgary to Swift Current, and and it was it was my draft year, um, and I was ranked to go in the first round of the NHL draft, so I was pretty excited. Yeah. And the the new general manager John Chapman, who was with Calgary, um, and I didn't really see eye to eye. Chappie was very old school, very hard nosed, and I was, I was not that. Yeah, <laughs> and and I didn't respond well to that because I had kind of come up with that. Yeah, um, and I didn't like that kind of coach. I liked the coach that would sit there and talk with me and say, you know, what are you thinking? Why would you do this? And let me have some input. And yeah, and so Chappie, he he made the decision that you know I needed to grow up. I needed to get away from home, and I'm going to send you to Swift. So I struggled. Uh, you know, like anybody that leaves home for the first time, I was homesick. Yeah. Um, Graham James was the coach. He wasn't an overly positive guy. He was kind of a uh, asshole. You know what I mean? He was real <laughs> yeah. negative. He was, um, you know, I remember the first game I got traded to Swift Current. I scored four points, and I'd never had four points in a game in the Western Hockey League before. And and he said, "So we can expect that every night, then, right?" And <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. Uh, you know, that was the kind of thing that That's um, some hard coaching. Yeah, you know what it really was, and. I get it. It was part of it. It just didn't suit me. Yeah. You know, and, and I tried to quit several times as I was going through in Swift, you know, I came home, I said like, I've had enough. It's just, I'm there's no joy. Um, I don't care if I make it to the NHL, but it's like, Oh, you're drafted already. Like you should. Yeah. Um, 
was this coming from friends or family or like was it your mom like who is the one putting the pressure on you to like you've been drafted you got to go you got to put the work in yeah agent teammates mom yeah. dad you know what i mean family well, the members whole, friends the everybody whole slew, right? yeah well yeah because here i am and and i've gotten everything right i'm drafted yeah. <laughs> they watched me on tv and it's like winning the lottery absolutely here it goes and and you're just going to throw it all away like yeah. what are you nuts yeah um yeah, actually, I was. <laughs> um, the bus accident, December 30th, 1986. We got on a bus going to Regina. Um, was over the homesickness. We right back from Christmas. Super excited to start playing. Um, Joe, Joe Sackick was one of my teammates. He was having a great year. Um, Scotty Kruger, Trent Cressy were both, you know, really getting recognized as, as players. Yeah. And, and everything was rolling along. So we were winning games and it looked like we were going to make playoffs and, um five minutes out of town you know everybody just settling in throwing the cards and you know putting on the walkman and stuff and and out of the corner of my eye i can see trent cressy stand up and 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 he said hold on it'll be okay and went down and and the last thing i remember seeing everybody's head flying uh up in the air yeah and and it was just the the noise i can't even describe right um and and woke up and and you know, wasn't sure what, what had happened. And one of my teammates was there and he's like, you know, you're, you're really bad. Uh, your face is all cut up. And I said, I can't stand. And so, um, I start looking around for my coat cause all I had was my shorts and, and t-shirt on. That's how we traveled on the bus. Yeah. And as I lifted up one seat, uh, I saw a pair of legs underneath the bus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I turned and started screaming and somebody's under the bus, get off the bus. And, um, you know, just hanging on at this point and hear another noise behind me. And as I, as I turn around, um, it was one of my teammates and he was trapped underneath the bus. The, the, the window portion that separates the windows, the metal was, was on his chest. And, and he was reaching out to me, but he couldn't say anything because he was being suffocated by the bus. Yeah. And you know, that, uh, that moment really, uh Hit home. messed me up yeah yeah um you know in, in videos and you know movies you know you watch people die and you know grandpa had died and you know but it wasn't the same here was one of my teammates here right. one of my brothers that you know kept us safe out there by beating the crap out of everybody <laughs> and and you know chief was was just the 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 most pleasant and easygoing guy to be around and and to to watch him take his last breath um yeah, it messed me up bad. How old were you at the time? 17. Yeah, there's no way a 17-year-old... Like, I get we've sent people to war in, you know, Syria right now, sure, sure. but we're not we're not designed to handle that kind of pressure oh. at that age. We we grew up in a in a very, very soft, nerfed world. Even when we were younger, it was pretty well nerfed. Um, uh, maybe not as much as nowadays, but it was pre- like we're pretty segregated from the violence in the world. For sure. And so we just don't have that ca- capability. And I'm sure your parents didn't even know what to do. No, you know, mom's initial reaction is get home. Right. Right. Like we're done. This is yeah. over. And um yeah, dad was he didn't know what to do. Yeah. None of us really know what to do. I remember so when I was uh twelve years old, I'd gone to Kelowna for a holiday to stay with my aunt. Um uh, again, twelve years old. Um I had some friends from when I used to live there before, but I was walking home it's ten, ten thirty, uh getting back to my aunt's place and uh three guys decided to jump me. Um, and beat me up 
and uh, I had my vacation on my. It was two hundred and eighty dollars. Not that's a lot of money for a twelve year old, yeah, but it wasn't too. a lot of money. So uh, two of them um, beat me up, and one of them held me down, and and they got my money. And after it was done, we phoned the police. I knew who one of the guys were, and you know, I told the police officer because I went to school with them. And uh, but that was it. There was nothing out. No one talked about it. No one asked how. And and I look back on it now, and for a while, I think I blame my parents, going like, "Why the hell didn't you do anything to help?" I got mugged by three guys. Mm-hmm. Like they curb stomped me for like a minute. Yeah. Um. And you know, the bruises healed and the cuts went sure. away. But that set off something in my mind where I was like, I'm not letting that happen again. And uh, I went through a pretty violent stage where anyone said anything they shouldn't have. I was lashing out hard. I just wasn't going to let it happen again. And, you know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't horrible for me. Uh, But when you were 12, it was pretty horrible. It's a thing I've learned about trauma. You know, we, like you said, well, it probably wasn't that bad. No, it absolutely was, right? Now, to another person, it, it could be that it wasn't. Right. Right, trauma affects us all differently. Yeah, and and we have to understand. We have to honor that. Yeah, right. Like if 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 something happens to you and it buggers you up and it and you feel twisted, you got to go get straight. Right. Right. And and you know the judgment that people tend to have is well, toughen up. Right. Like right. it wasn't that bad. Suck it up, Buttercup. You, you, the, that's really you know what I mean. Very. That's even more damaging than than what happened. Yeah. Because now I don't trust you anymore. Right. You don't know what I'm going through. You say you do, but you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. I got my own thoughts, right? This has created this has created something very big and nasty for me. Yeah. And and the fact that you're going to sit there and judge it and say it wasn't a big deal. Right. You're done. Right. I got no more time for you. I think that's uh, as a whole is true about parents. A lot of parents will say things um, because they think it's the right thing to say yeah. instead of to know that, you know, it's okay to be as a parent, like, I don't know how to handle this. I, we're going to go talk to somebody else. We're going to make sure everything's okay. But not enough people have, uh, maybe ego gets in the way and they just, they, they want to have an answer. This is what the answer is. And this is, uh, you know, for them, I don't know what to do. So we're just not going to do it. Well, tell me one person on this planet that knows everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. There isn't one. There isn't. There's right. a lot of smart people out there, but they can't handle all the situations. No. Yeah. And, and as parents, a lot of times it's best that we don't try and handle those. Yeah. It allows us to be the parent. So so that accident gets you twisted up and and, and, yep. a, and probably a fearful mind state, probably an anxious mind state. Um, how long before you, you felt untwisted or did you ever? Uh, 23 years later. Wow. What was no, the... actually, uh, 27 years later. What was the catalyst? Uh, in getting me healthy? Yeah. My daughter. Okay. Yeah. Was I, it that it wasn't going well with her and you just didn't want to lose that relationship? You know, I, I, uh, met my wife in 95 and that, that was a savior to me. Cause I was at the point where I was, I was ready to pull the plug. Yeah. Uh, I didn't care anymore. I was drinking way too much, yeah. taking way too many risks. Like it scared my teammates and, um, I feel bad about that knowing that now, Yeah. you know, that I, that I caused them to feel that uncomfortable with the way that I was doing things and nobody knew and we didn't, you didn't talk about it. Right. Uh, wasn't good. So that, that helped, you know, when, when Mikey came into my life and, and I I had someone with me finally, and I kind of felt like, but I was so insecure. Um, I was so not trusting 
that it, it, it caused a lot of issues eventually as you go, you know, now you're jealous of any time she's talking to a guy and you know what I mean? You're <laughs> thinking all, be, because you have all these insecurities. All about these yourself. lies in your well, head. Well, totally, right? Yeah. Like you don't, you don't know who you are or what you, yeah. so, I mean, that was a real struggle, but, but when, when Sadie came along and I was in for the birth and I held her in my arms uh, the light bulb went on. It's a powerful moment, isn't it's it? It's a get your shit together, man. I, uh, my wife, for me, was a, was a good catalyst. I'm like, okay, I, I need to be a better person. If, yep. I'm gonna, if she's going to stay with me, <clears throat> I just need to be better. And we started a journey. And it was pretty lackadaisical at best. But when I saw my daughter for the first time, that was like, yeah, we're going to get her shit together right now. Yep. And I literally walked out of the hospital a completely different person than I walked yep. in. It's, uh, I don't know how anyone can have a child and not... And I get everyone's different, but I just... I don't get it. I don't get how you can look at those little babies being born and not know, like, man, my job got hard, but it's worth it. Right? Yeah. And and I think that's, like, we we just have to be understanding of each other. Yeah. Right? What what makes, you know, my clock tick is not going to make yours tick. Right. It doesn't make it wrong. Right. Um, and I think the more that we can stop doing that and judging other people, I think, is, is huge. Right? Yeah. Don Miguel Ruiz and the Four Agreements, one of the best books I've ever read. Um, I highly recommend it to everybody out there. There's four agreements. Sorry, what was the name of it again? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. Yep. Okay. And it, it's very simple, and like it's an easy read. It's easy to understand, and it's hard as hell to implement. Um, <laughs> but only because of our conditioning. Yeah. You know, it's only because of the way that we've learned how to do things. You learn how to survive. Yeah. Right and and you know you have that experience at twelve. You you learned how to survive a little bit. Yeah, I don't trust as much. I make sure I don't you know do certain things. Yeah, right. Like we are pretty intelligent people when we're paying attention. Right. You know we can really accelerate the learning if we do some things that are foundational better. Yeah, man, life is good. So so I'm curious. What are the four agreements? Um, don't take things personally. Okay. Um. Always uh, complete every every task. Like always, see things through to completion. Yeah. Uh, don't assume. Yeah. And um, oh, what's the last one? For me, the big one was not taking things personally. Yeah, yeah. That one changed everything. I was a people pleaser. Yeah. I just wanted everybody's approval. Yeah. Especially as an athlete. And and when I didn't get it positively, I learned to get it. Any way I could. Right. Which meant negatively. Yeah. Be the best party animal. Oh, be the best drinker. Right. Be the best or the toughest guy. You want in me the to room. be a failure. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's not that hard to make bad decisions. Yeah. It sure isn't. Right? We're uh, teaching a, a health and wellness class on Sundays here at our house. And, and one of the things they did inside there, and, and this is what I realized throughout life it's not about making the big change. You want to lose weight? It's not changing everything in your life, it's just taking one cookie out. And adding one healthy thing in. That's it. Just something simple like that. All of a sudden, that makes a small change. And then yeah. you go, oh, that was really easy. If I take two cookies out and I add two things, and you just slowly increment those things. And so much so, they, they, this book talks about um, having a cup, and it's full. Um, 
But to get another good thing in there towards your goal, you have to dump something out. So what are you going to dump out? And you make everyone write down what they're going to dump out. And then we take that piece of paper, we tear it up, and we burn it or throw it in a bowl of water yep. to, to disintegrate. Um, and then what are you going to do now? And you write onto the next cup what you're going to do yep. in there. And and that's what I find that, you know, when my daughter was born, right away I was like, I need to make all these big changes. And I failed at every single totally. one of them. And then it was just like, I'm just going to try not to be as angry. How about that? Just don't yell. Um, and it took years for me to be better at not yelling, yeah. right? Because it worked for me. If I yelled, people would listen. I got a loud voice. I'm a bigger guy. Um, people would do what I want them to do. So if you get rewarded, if you do, you know, you re- you give a dog a treat when he bites somebody, he's going to keep biting people. Yep. And that's basically where I was. And I went, oh, this isn't working. This isn't yep. working. And you you get those little things in line. It, well, some do. Yeah. <laughs> Some don't. You know what I mean? Um, again, it's, it's all choice. How, how much of bringing someone up, say, from the WHL to the NHL is going to revolve around their attitude and how much of it is just based around their skill sets? That's a good question. I'd say it's probably 60-40 uh, mental to physical. Really? Yeah. I mean, physical gets you noticed, right? Yeah. But then you got to have the right mindset. you got to have the ability to deal with it. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of players fail. I mean, I would love to know the statistic of first round draft picks in football, baseball, basketball, and hockey yeah. that never play one game. Yeah. I bet you'd be blown away. Yeah, I think so. Um these are the best of the best. But still not good enough. Still not good enough. Yeah. I my 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 sport that I like is uh, um, MMA, so yep. UFC and Bellator and all those. And and I, you know, when I was training with the guys all the time, you just see these guys with immense talent, but just not enough focus. Um, I had a buddy that was uh, he could have easily had like a three-year black belt in jiu-jitsu and could only focus on uh mma and uh but then as soon as he started getting hit he hated the game and walked away he could have been the best in the world just don't do mma just do jiu-jitsu and you would have killed you would have destroyed but it just it took him off his game and he never made it there and he's a great guy he's got a good career doing other stuff um but you know to be the labeled the best in jiu-jitsu is better than being the best um you know machinist or Drywaller, right? You know, it, it's it's interesting life. It, you you never know where it's going to take you. You know, it uh, throws a whole bunch of different things at you that you're not prepared for, right? Um, so you're constantly learning. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's opportunity everywhere. Yeah. Um, for a whole bunch of different things, right? Not just all positive stuff. Uh, not just you know money stuff. Yeah. Um, like it's. When you start to look at it, I know when I've started to look at it with this kind of perspective, it's actually quite enjoyable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even even when things aren't going your way and even when it's not quite the way that you would want it, it's still uh, the attitude of gratitude, man. There's something to be said for it. So much yep. so. So you're enjoying life now. Yeah, things are good. Yeah, your uh, good relationship with your daughter and your family. and Yeah, everybody's healthy. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very thankful, very blessed. Um, everyone on the podcast heard me say this a thousand times, but my goal is to be a healthy, fit grandpa. Yeah. I want to be able to run and ski and bike and all that stuff when I'm 70 or 80 years old. Yeah. Uh, and so that's every day I make decisions that revolve around that long-term yeah. goal. There's lots of short-term goals that I have too. And some of those, you know, just like that was so stupid. I'm not doing it anymore. The podcast is one that I'm, I'm working on growing and stuff, which I really enjoy. I would do this 
12 hours a day and never run out of uh, conversation. Right. Um, but you have to do all the other hard stuff to be able to do this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's going to pop through that front door and say, oh, we're going to pay you 100 grand a year to podcast. If they did, I'd, I'd be the luckiest guy on the planet. Right. right. Yeah, just keep working. On yeah. It. But so all of this, um, I wanted to... Because everyone says this, the, the Tony Robbins, the you know all the religious leaders, like write it down, write down your goals and look at them every morning. I never understood. The, I, I think it's important, but I never understood the importance of it. Yeah. Do you have a, a a reasoning why the writing it down is so important? Why it works so well? Well, for sure. You know, there's so many things that happen over the course of the day that can distract an individual, and you know when what happens when you when you just have the goal in your mind. Yeah. Well, they say the average person has 60,000 thought, 60, thoughts a day. <laughs> okay, so you got 60,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. How much you focus on achieving that goal? Yeah. And it's amazing when you really simplify it. And, and okay, so the goal is this. And these are the five things that I've identified that I have to do. Yeah. And I'm going to do this one today. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to do all four today. I can't do all four today because I got other stuff to do. Gotta but I can boils. do one of them. Yeah. Right, so I want to go on vacation to Tahiti. I've decided it's going to be somewhere warm, and it's going to be Tahiti. Great. Yeah. Okay, so there's five things I need to do. One is identify the cost. The second is how am I going to get there? Well, how long does it flight? I got to research the best way to go. I got to get find places where I'm going to stay. Yeah. Okay, well, when do I want to go? I want to go six months from now. Okay, so tomorrow, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find out the cost. Yeah, and you can do that in a half hour. Right. Online. Yeah. When when you got some downtime. Yeah. Right. So when you write them down and you have the action steps. What happens is every day you're constantly moving closer and closer right? because you've got the goal at top of mind as well as, you know, your list of things you need to do today. Well, what's associated with that goal? Yeah. Right? And just and, and it could be a five-minute thing. It could be a phone conversation you have to have. It doesn't matter, but what happens is you start to move and all of a sudden, you know, you got three months to go and you've got everything done going, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the unfortunate part is when people don't do that, it's, well, that would have been a great idea. Right. I really would have enjoyed Tahiti. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? So what are, what are your long-term goals? What what are the written on your mirror in your diary? Yeah, you know, for me, the big one is just staying healthy right now. Um, again, with, with kind of knowing my family history, yeah. I want to make better choices in what I'm eating. So I'm, I'm working hard at, uh, you know, changing the way that I eat and, and yeah. how I do things because the habits I have were not good. Do you, do you have a coach? The only reason I ask, because yep. you, you grew up in professional sports and everything was about coaching. Sure. Right? They're so important. And I did in martial arts too. I just always had a coach. But there was things that I tried to do on my own for my health and fitness, and then I kept failing and failing. And I just thought, this is not working long-term yep. for me. And I and then my wife is a holistic nutritionist. So yep. I just said, tell me what to do, and I'll do exactly that. And yep. I did, and I dropped like 30 pounds in three months yep. and more energy than I've ever had. Slept better, you yep. know, breathed better. Everything was yep. better because of it. So that's the reason I asked. A lot of people don't think about their health as yep. needing a coach. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many things in life that we could use help with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that's one of the things. Um, definitely have a, a plan all put together. Cool. Right, and, and how it should be going and what results you should see. And yeah, that way you know. Um, you know, with the business I got mined, um, what I want to do, <clears throat> my three-year goal is, is to have people with a couple of different offices in different places in North America. 
these are former athletes that were like me, kind of lost and struggling, um, that we found and said, come on, we want to educate and teach you and be able to use your experiences um, to be able to help other people. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be really cool. You know, I I have a goal that I want. I got mine to be one of the number one self help uh, mental health. Yeah. You know what I mean? Programs in, in the world. Is it aimed mostly at youth? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's I, a big difference, right? Like if you get him young, right? If we can change his habits. Yeah. How how good is he going to be when he gets to our age? I know. It, just this conversation yeah. is going to be something that that will change him. You might need do it. Might not do it this week or yeah. next week or even next year. But he'll remember this conversation and yep. how important it is. And when you're in a dark spot where you don't know where you're going to go next and you're hurt, you just think about this. Okay, what's what's my next yep. step? Right? Am I going to go in this direction or am I going in this direction? And I think it's important. We all end up there. Yeah. Right. Like I don't know. I think there's one guy in all the years that I've been talking and meeting people that I did a talk and I had people come up and they're bawling and oh my God. And, you know, and this one guy comes up and he says, I actually don't know what you're talking about. Wow. He said, I've never had any hardships in my life. <laughs> and I said, it's really nice to meet you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, the one you, and only. Well, come with me and buy a lottery ticket. Like, let's see where we can take <laughs> yeah. this thing. Um, it's just, it, it's part of life. Do you, do you think that guys like that just don't focus on the bad so they don't feel like it's bad? Like, oh, that was a crappy day and I just moved on. Yeah, sometimes people keep things simple, right? They don't overcomplicate. I mean, yeah. we can... We can overcomplicate our lives in a hurry just by overthinking things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I found from my youth that the, the lies that we put in our own head, like you say things to yourself yep. like they're absolutely oh, yeah. true, and you have no idea if they're true or not. Nope. Uh, in Jordan Peterson's uh, uh, 12 Rules of Life, he's, uh, I can't remember what rule is, rule seven or eight, he says, um, um, always tell the truth, or at the very least, don't lie. So if you don't know, just say, I don't know. I need to go find this out. Yep. But don't make up like, oh, she's not going to talk to me. She's too good looking. Or I can't get that job. I'm not smart. How do you know you're not smart enough? Yeah. Right? I got no education and I'm managing like a $7 million company. Right. Um, it can be done. You just have to work towards that goal and turn it into what you want it to be. That's all. Yeah. Uh, stop the lying. That's, that's the biggest one I think people need to do from the time they're – if you can teach that to – you know the the five six seven year olds just that it's absolute truth only. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a big difference. There's a lot of things that that you know what I mean. Like it's it's not we're not new to the planet, right? And what what we're talking about here isn't new, <laughs> right? It's not like I all of a sudden I came up with you know this is yeah. no. It's it's just I'm another person out there that is trying to help other people find it, right? And you know I think you, you refer to ta- Tony Robbins and you know all the other ones that are out there and. Uh, it happened to them. Yeah. Like for me, Bob Proctor, my teacher, it was taught to him. Yeah. Right. And so what we want to do is we want to leave a better place. Uh, if we can eliminate some pain and discomfort for some people, yeah. we don't want to take it away because we need that. Right. Like if everything was good, would it actually be good? No. 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 I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. You, you need to have pressure. This is the only way you can create a diamond. Law right? of opposites, right? Yeah. For every good, there's a bad. For every right, there's a left. If we didn't have that law, wasn't darkness the light wouldn't be totally. so bright yeah i agree wholeheartedly you'd be sick of the sunshine if that's all it did was shine every day <laughs> it's like um i i think about it like money all the time you have to be a good steward of your money right you have to plan with it you have to spend it you have to do that with your time but you got to do that with knowledge too like what are you putting in your head every day 
Um, and if you're putting in crap, then that's all that's going to come out yeah. of your mouth at the end of the day, right? Yeah. You have to be very uh, a good steward of, of what you're loading inside your mind. You are the most important person in your life. <laughs> and if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not giving you what you need, yeah. right? No different than the tree in the yard. If you don't take care of it, that tree's going to die. Right. And we're the same thing, right? We got to have we got proper rest. We got to have proper, uh, like all these things that we can do for ourselves that allow us to, to grow. Right. Right? And until the end of the journey. Yeah. And we don't know when the end of the journey comes. Could be tomorrow. So why would we not put more effort into us yeah. enjoying all the things that we possibly can, trying as many things, yeah. not being afraid to fail, you know, take risks. Like, those are the things that, like, I mean, we're curious by nature. Right. And when you're curious, good things happen. Yeah. You're learning, you're failing, you're risking, you're trying, you're being vulnerable, right? Like everything that, that life is all about. Yeah. The minute you lose that curiosity, man, it's... So what was your drive? Because most people, they have a failing business or they don't make it in their sport or, you know, a bad relationship. Um, that's it. They just, they don't even give it another shot again. And obviously the, the coffee company thing, as you said, failed. Why even bother trying again? Like people need to have a reason to, to be able to go after something when they failed. Yeah, I don't know if that's something internal or what hockey taught me. You know what I mean? It's you, you, you get knocked down, yeah. you get back up. Yeah. And I think the bus accident helped me with that. I think being traded helped me with that. Um, I think being cut helped me with that. I think, you know, losing my business and declaring bankruptcy <laughs> yeah. helped me with that. Like, there's just so many different experiences I've had when you get hoofed in the balls and. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, and, and I'm just of the mindset, you get up and keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, shrivel up and die. And and don't get me wrong, I've had my periods where I wanted to shrivel <laughs> up and die. Um, you know, but, you know, for the most part, I'd say that, you know, it's that resiliency that... Yeah. That we could definitely focus on uh, a little bit more. They need to figure out what that gene is and start injecting more yeah, people yeah. with it to to get them Tell motivated. What, that, yeah. That's the lottery right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you heard about uh, universal income? No. So uh, I think Elon Musk and a couple other billionaires are talking about this. That you know, Elon's about making the world better, hundred yeah. percent. And so he's say thinking that if we had a universal income for everybody, um, where it just covered your basic needs. So you know, you knew you had a house over or a roof over your yeah. head, you had clothes in your back and food in your belly. Um, that that would free up so much time that the creativity of people as a whole would come out. Um, and then the other argument to that is that one or no, they all become lazy. Um, or, you know, uh, you remember when uh, Ralph Klein was giving away 400 bucks to all the uh, <laughs> Alberta and all of a sudden every store had something on sale for 400 bucks because they wanted your 400 bucks. Um, so those are the two kind of stories, right? Well, you can give me an extra $1,200 a month, but my landlord's now going to jack my rent up over the next six years to get that 1200 bucks uh, out of me. And then I'm right back to the same thing. Do you think it would create the creativity um, that they're thinking that we would have, you know, more Elon Musk, we would have more Picassos, we'd have more Mozarts. Yeah, you know, I think it would depend on the person. Yeah. I think you, it's like the movie Divergent, right? Like, I think you would have different groups of people that gravitated towards right. different things. I think there's certain people that would love that. Yeah. If I never have to worry about money again, yeah. boy, would I be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's other people that would say, I need to get that money from that person. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? At at any cost, we're competitive as a as a species, right? Like mm-hmm. we just want to win every single time. Nature versus nurture, yeah, right. Uh, the weak don't survive. Yeah, I, I heard a quote today. Um, uh, shoot, I gotta look it up. It um, it was really cool. Let me get it. <coughs> no man chooses evil. Because it's evil. He only mistakes it for happiness, the good that he seeks. Uh, it was a quote by this lady named Mary uh, Holstonecraft. Um, and, and I posted it this morning on my social media because it really hit home for me. Like, how many times do we do something because we think it's for the greater good? Like, I'm sure Hitler didn't go, oh, I'm going to be an evil asshole today. He thought it was creating something totally. better, right? Yep. The, the Christians that came over to North America, they, 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 they had good intentions. They did horrible things, but they, they came over with good intentions mm-hmm. that uh, we are so competitive, we're willing to do evil things to get that stuff done. We're really ignorant, yeah. you know what I mean? And there's so much that we don't know. And we're messing with things that we probably shouldn't. Yeah, agreed. And the ego kicks in. And and you know what? Uh, it's going to be an interesting time. I don't know that I could say that I'm scared for my kids in the future. <laughs> um, but it's definitely some thoughts that bounce around wondering what it's going to be like for them. Yeah. And I think that's why I really want to focus on helping, you know, the kids as much as possible yeah. so that they can make the decisions that are better for them yeah. than, than maybe what we've been doing the last uh, 50 years. Right. If you have a good generation of uh, kids that make good decisions, um, you were saying earlier, you, you got to treat yourself well. That's one of the ultimate things that uh, Peterson talks about in his book. First, do what's right for you. Yeah. But not only right for you, it's got to be right for you and your family and yeah. your community and the world. Yeah. And then not only right for all that, but it has to be right today, tomorrow, next week, and in 10 years. I mean, we talked about politics. Like, could you imagine if that politicians actually did what they said they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. The the problem is that they come in with a 20-year promise and only 4 years to do yeah. it. It, it. It's a it's a bad system. If you look at the the political system in Singapore, um they do a 25-year system. So the person that got on there got to make some amazing changes. It could go horribly wrong the other way too if you get the wrong person right. in there. But what can Trudeau do in 4 years? He got pot legalized, which is probably financially pretty good for Canada. Um, We're definitely going to find some more medical cures, which will be financially good for Canada. Um, And yet everyone thinks he's a complete twit moron. He should be strung up. Maybe. He's done a lot of bad things um, or not so great things. But he also has done some a couple of pretty great things. Yeah, Donald, same way down south. You know what I mean? Yeah. People look at him and go, "He's just an idiot, <laughs> and he's just a loudmouth, and he's a yeah. racist, and he's a you know all these war whatever." Yeah. He's done a lot of good things, man. He's generated a lot of jobs. He's generated a lot of security for a lot of people. And, yeah. And that's why I think you know you go back to the Elon Musk. I mean, everybody's got their their thing. Absolutely, it'd yeah. be it'd be great if we could just make them a little smaller and say, if you if this is what you believe, go live here. Right. You know what I mean? Well, you said it earlier. Nobody knows everything. No. Right. But nobody's good at everything no. either. Right. So no matter what you're good at, yep. someone's going to find something to pick on you. Totally. Right? Best hockey player in the world. Yep. Not a great cook. Yep. 
All right. Well, that doesn't take away from being a good hockey player. Yep, yep. Right? Look at the good that people do, yep. and uh, you know, I wouldn't vote Trudeau in again, even with the good that he did personally yeah. for me. Um, but you shouldn't be bashing the guy. He's someone's son. He's someone's dad. He's yep. someone's husband, um, and he's doing the best that he knows how to do at the time. Yep. Right. Maybe he's a jerk. He's just trying. I to don't know rich. enough to say <laughs> anything about it. You know what I mean? I uh, I honestly wish I had more time where I could know more about politics sure. in Canada. I think it's important that we do. Um, it's just not a passion of mine. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's hard it, It's hard because unless you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get involved, right? Um, I don't know that it makes a difference that I know it. Yeah, you get to vote. I think that makes a difference, and I do vote every single time, yep. and for a couple of weeks I dig my head in to yep. make sure I'm making a good choice or what I think is a good choice for voting. But I'm not smart enough to know if those are even again. I think the plans are unrealistic. I think that they that they always play to people's uh, emotions. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what are the hot topics? Well, it's healthcare and it's education. Let's talk about what we're going to do for them. (laughs) And you know, show me your plan. And it was really cool. I was listening to the mayor uh, before the 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 Alberta election there, and yeah, Yeah. and and, you know, he is who he is. Whatever, right? But. I love the way that he thinks because, you know, what he said was, I've listened to her and I've listened to him. And the thing that disappoint me, disappoint me is there's no detailed plan. Right. And I thought, well, that, that's exactly it. Right? This is what you're trying to do. You're teach. full of shit and you're full of shit. Right. <laughs> Where's the plan? That's right. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, tell me how you're going to do this in four years. Not that you're just going to do it. I love the fact that you want to do it. Yeah. How are you going to do it in four years? Right. It's not realistic. Yeah. You're selling these people a bill of goods. And I tell you what, they're going to come knocking on your door in three and a half years and you're not going to be happy. I, I wonder how much of it is, you know, legitimately trying to, um, uh, dupe the pu- the public, or Depends how much of it is just ignorance on their side. Like, I really want to get this done. I'm a good person. I want our country to be better. And you get into the position, you go, oh, I can't actually do any of this. This job sucks. Because yeah. that job does suck. There's nothing good about being the leader of nope. of Canada or the U.S. Like that's that's a miserable job at yep. best. Yep. We're way too many people and <laughs> way too many decisions yeah. to make. I run a I run a little construction company, and by the end of the day, my brain is like, I don't think you should make any more decisions yep. today. Yep. This guy's running the country. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. So tell us more about I got mine. What's uh, you know, you talk about goals and stuff like that. What's the goal of I got mine? What would, you know, you said three year. What's the end? You're gonna have you know 500 people across the country teaching kids how to be, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> international and. Uh, and when when I'm on my deathbed and I look back and I see all the good that's been done, yeah. uh, I'm going to feel like um, part of my life was well lived. Yeah, that's right? awesome. I'll, I'll look at uh, I'll look at my kids and how well they've done, and yeah, you know the people that I've had a positive impact on, and you know the experiences that I've had, and you know for me that's the goal is to get. When I get to the end of my road, whenever that is, I can look back and say, you know what? You you did good, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Who could ask for more than that? That's a great way to look back on life. It's a good goal. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you believe in retirement? No. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, I, I think when we go stale, uh, we die. Yeah. And I think that's why you see a lot of people that... When they do retire, there's not long after that they pass. I think the stats are 
astronomical yeah. how much that happens. It yeah. scares the death out of me. Like, you, if you don't get up every morning and have something big to do yeah, that yeah. day. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't appreciate winning the lottery and not having to do anything for money. Right. You know what I mean? You go back to that question. Would I be doing something? Totally. Yeah. Right. I'm not sleeping until noon. I'm I'm on a plane going somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I totally still be active. But again, you know, we, we tie our identities to what we do. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden that's taken away from someone Yeah. and they look at the future and they go, you know what, like, uh, I'm going to live on social security, which means I got to get rid of my house. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like my wife's in bad health, so I know she's not going to be with me very long. Um, I can't play golf anymore because of, you know, the Too way much money and, um, yeah, I mean, what's the point of living when right. you can't do the things that you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I, um, I don't think that I would ever retire. Uh, we're Christians. We go to we go to church, and um, I've never found anything in the Bible that says we should retire, ever. And so I just don't get where that retirement mentality comes into our culture. Yeah. Like most people around the world, don't think about retirement. They just think about doing the next thing they like better, right? Like even if you're, you know, in a third world country and you're scrounging, you're just thinking about okay, when I get this, yeah. then I'm going to move on to this. I'm going to start a business, or I'm going to move, or I'm going to, you know, they've always got something to work towards. Well, yeah, it gives us that sense of purpose, yeah. right? I mean, it's. I think it's the minute that you lose the sense of purpose, you you lose the desire for for living. Yeah. yeah. Have you met guys like that? There's got to be guys coming out of the NHL that bucket loads of money, sit around, do nothing, get fat, and die. Yeah. Yeah. Too many. Uh, I don't know that it's too many. Um, yeah, I mean, typically it's they they come out thinking they know more than they know. Yeah, I imagine if you've made it to the NHL, you're you're a pretty driven person, anyways. Probably not many guys are getting lazy after they come out. Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, so here's a question for you: If you could go back to you know 25 year old Bob, what would what advice would you give him? Uh, dig in. Yeah. Get refocused. You, you still got a chance. Um, it'll be worth it 20 years from now. Yeah. When you look back at yourself, it'll also change the habits and the way that you do things for the future. Yeah. That uh, the success that you've always wanted to try and achieve isn't far off. Nice. Yeah. I was so close, so close then. Yeah. And because of the choices that I made, it, it, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Well, I took probably 50 <laughs> steps back and had yeah. to kind of take a good chunk of my life and my time and, and regroup and try and get it together. So that's that's what I would definitely say. Nice. Yep. The um, I say now, or I've said it a whole bunch of times, that, man, I wish I knew this when I was 25. Yeah, sure. And then I had a lady on the podcast. She goes, but would you have listened? Would you have taken the advice at 25? If it was coming from me, I would have. Right. Right? Yeah, future yeah. future Bob shows For up, sure. and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Then you take it from there. But totally. if uh, the guy next door, your dad's best friend or whatever, shows up and... The same guy that's been chirping at me for how long, <laughs> that's right? That's yeah. right, yeah. I, uh, that, that, that actually kind of ticked me off a little bit about... It. That's humanity, right? We it just... Is. We don't... We don't dig in when we should dig in. No. We don't listen when we should listen. We, yep. we have these lies in our head that just drive us to do what we want to do, to take the soft road. Yeah. Yeah. 
Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I uh, I want to do a quick shout out. We don't have to end now, but I wanted to do this somewhere in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. The art we have on the wall it's here beautiful. is done by uh, Paul Nye, uh, Dripping Chrome on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to work a deal with him to do some advertising and trade for tattoos. And so <laughs> we'll post up his art here uh, on every podcast. Yeah. We'll uh, also, any other local artists out there that want to share some stuff, we're happy to put it on the wall. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I enjoy doing things like this simply because of that, right? It's community and it's yeah, and it's fun and it's information. And you know what? Somebody's driving down the road listening to to us talk about whatever we believe in. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's really cool. I love that uh, you know, your son's involved in helping you produce Me this. Too. And, uh I know I get my kids involved as much as I can just because it's such a cool experience and I think what I like about the podcast thing is one re- reviving the long form co- uh, conversation. Yeah, not enough people do that, right? right? Too much text, emails, that kind of thing. Social media yeah. blurbs. I love having a conversation and figuring out who people are and, and and trying to be good at having a conversation. It's cool how they've come back. Yeah, I, I think it's all due to podcasters. Quite a few podcasters out there that are doing this type of thing yeah. and just really trying to dig in i mean you've done piles of interviews um and most of them i'm guessing have been no more than 10 or 15 minutes three minutes right (laughs) Right? yeah Yeah. it's got to fit in the tv just a little burb and you got to look a certain way and you got to say a certain thing they know what they want you to say so they ask that question around it i like when you can sit down and find out you know how someone felt about it's it's amazing to me and what i've learned most is that 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 the perspectives are so vast there's no you know you talk about the bus crash and sure. I talk about me getting beat up and um, I had a bad accident when I was 16 years old too and yep. and, um, and again there was just there was no one there to support me yep. but I look back on it now and I'm like I got so much information that most people don't have right yep. like what it feels like to get punched in the face or to get t-boned or to watch someone die like we have that now it's yep. like a should be almost like a trophy that you're carrying around like, look what I did right I'm the king of the world that, I survived that, that this should be the little tattoo on the wrist exactly right I mean, I think that's what tattoo, I mean, for me, um, that, that's what it would represent is, you know, earning my stripes at doing something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have tattoos? I have one, one small tattoo. Uh, I got it out of, um, why the hell did I get it? (laughs) You know, cause we thought it would be cool and it was kind of going against all the parents in our lives saying, don't do it. You were young? Yeah. I was 16 years old and I got uh, Yosemite Sam with a hockey stick on my back, right? (laughs) That's he was my awesome. favorite cartoon character. So my uh, my very first tattoo was an ice cube that was melting, and it said Iceman underneath. Nice. I won't tell the story because my son's here. It was so <laughs> <laughs> when you're old enough. It was yeah, yeah. so ridiculous yeah. why I got it. And I've had it covered up since because yeah. it was I, I couldn't. I'm a dad. I can't yeah. tell the story anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I had to get it covered <laughs> up. But yeah, I'd get tattooed every day if I could. Yeah, uh, just not wasting family money on it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like the pain. Yeah, I, I, you're I str- a defenseman. You know what? I struggled with that pain. Yeah, it's yeah. You can, isn't it? you can you can bust my nose and separate my shoulder, and you know what I mean, and bugger my back and all those things. But that grind, that that constant grinding needles <laughs> yeah. in there is like that's enough, right? Are you done yet? I've had some big ones and a couple of big cover ups, yeah. and so the cover ups are the worst, right? Because yeah. it's the, the nerves. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but um, I've had a couple of those. You get that adrenaline taste yeah. in your mouth, and you know that metal yeah. bloody taste in your mouth, and uh, I don't mind it. Yeah, um, it for me. The art is what's important, totally. right? Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I had uh, 
uh, which one was it? Oh, I have a um, on my chest a Viking coming out of a burning village. Yep. And I just went to a local tattoo shop and I told the guy a little bit about my history and what I was thinking, and then let him design the whole thing and just put it on there. But that's like I'm the only person that has that piece of art on me. Yep. I love that about tattoo. That's cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with everybody? No. Nope. You know what? Uh, I think it's been great. Thank you so much for your persistence in making this happen. I know <laughs> it's been a couple of months that we've been talking about it. It's so. all good. Yeah. Uh, I, I am a persistent and a patient person. Yeah, it was and, good. Uh, I really enjoyed having you, and thank you for coming out. We'll put all your links in. I got mine dot com or .ca? .ca. 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 Yeah. Uh, everyone should check it out. And uh, if you get the opportunity, hire Bob to come speak because I, I loved hearing you speak down at Thanks. the Airdrie Commerce there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, encouraging our local business right. people. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to go into our outro. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over.